Hello, and welcome to Making the Case, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Attorney General's Office. I'm Samantha Fisher, Communications Director and Host. The Tennessee Attorney General's Office is the law firm for the state and manages a wide variety of cases, antitrust, consumer fraud, environmental enforcement, and much more. The work is complex, challenging, sometimes even controversial. If you like history and law, come along with us for Making the Case. Just last week, a coalition of 21 states led by Tennessee sent a letter to President Biden over new guidance handed down from federal education and employment agencies in June. The states take exception with this guidance, making clear that guidance is not law and these actions were made without the input of states and other stakeholders. Specifically, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, citing the recent landmark Supreme Court decision Bostock versus Clayton County, says on its website that employers may not deny an employee equal access to a bathroom, locker room, or shower that corresponds to the employee's gender identity. It also says intentionally or repeatedly using the wrong name and pronouns to refer to a transgender employee could contribute to an unlawful hostile work environment. The Department of Education on its website says Title IX also protects students from discrimination based on sexual identification and gender identity. In the letter to the president on July 7th, the attorneys general say, no longer, according to the Department of Education, will schools be able to preserve the privacy of middle school and high school students by ensuring they can use sex-specific showers, locker rooms, and restrooms. Joining me to talk about this federal guidance, the Supreme Court decision in Bostock, and the letter led by the Tennessee Attorney General's Office in opposition is Chief Deputy Jonathan Scrimetti. The issue here is who makes the law. Federal guidance is somebody at a federal agency giving their opinion. It's not legally binding. In the case of the EEOC guidance, It was from one commissioner. It wasn't from the entire commission. It didn't go through any of the legal process necessary to enact a regulation. It's just one person's view of the law. But because it goes up on the federal website with the header and it looks like a legal document, even with a disclaimer saying this is not a binding legal requirement, you have people who see it and think that it is a binding legal requirement. In fact, we've had someone litigating against the state who pointed to that EEOC guidance and said, We are bound by federal law to do this. So it creates a lot of confusion, and it's a way of circumventing the procedural requirements for making law so that the agencies can push their agenda without any of the checks and balances that are necessary to ensure accountability. So in the letter, Tennessee and the other states call these changes in the federal guidance radical. And from the EEOC and the Department of Education, the guidance was for employers and educators, and and what specifically was Tennessee and the other states who joined the letter objecting to? So this all comes from the Supreme Court's Bostock decision in 2020. Bostock was a very important employment law decision that says you can't discriminate on the basis of sex, and that means that in terms of firing people, you can't discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. The guidance purports to implement Bostock, but Bostock specifically said, we are only addressing the question before us. This does not apply, and we are not weighing in on questions like who uses what showers, who uses what bathrooms. 
uh, there are still open questions there. And when there are open questions like that, traditionally in America, Congress makes the law. And where there are narrower questions of law within the scope of what Congress has passed, then the agencies make law. But the agencies are bound by a process that gives people the opportunity to provide comment, to weigh in on it, and they have to comply with the procedural obligations of a federal agency in enacting a regulation. And when they issue guidance, it's almost like taking a shortcut around all those requirements. It's not legally binding, but people see it up there and they get worried that if they don't comply, they're going to get in trouble. And so the agency can get the same effect without going through the lawful process to get there. Jonathan, for educators and employers in Tennessee who are paying attention to this federal guidance, what should they know? Well, they should know that Bostock does apply to hiring and firing individuals, but that questions about such things as bathroom use are open questions. Now, there are cases bubbling up through the courts. It's likely the Supreme Court will weigh in on that at some point. And so depending on the jurisdiction someone is in, there may be binding law on the topic. In the Sixth Circuit, where Tennessee is, there is not binding law at this point. The attorneys general have real concerns about too much power going to agencies. In the separation of power system that we have, laws are supposed to be passed by Congress. Agency roles should be fairly limited, filling in the interstices between existing law. But here, you see federal agencies making sweeping actions Big, big, big changes, not just to the law, but changes to how people are going to be living their day-to-day lives. And that's just contrary to the system that we live in. Laws should be made by the lawmakers, and there should be accountability to the people. And when you take a law that's been around for 40 years, and you create all these new obligations under that law, the agencies should be very circumspect about that. The Supreme Court did make big changes in Bostock. Uh, But those changes haven't had a chance to play out yet. There are cases working through the lower courts to get more clarity on the extent to which Bostock applies beyond the scope of the, uh, the hiring and firing context. And in addition, there does need to be a role for the people here. And the states have their individual laws on these issues as well. And the guidance specifically states it doesn't matter what your state law is. What matters is the federal law. Now, granted, the EEOC guidance is not, in fact, itself federal law, but if you are an employer uh, and you see that, or if you're an educational institution and you see an interpretation from the Department of Education that cites to Title VII as providing insight into how Title IX, which covers education, works, then you're going to be very, very careful not to run afoul of the guidance, even if it's not technically binding. So what the federal government gets is the legal effect of what they want without having to go through the procedural hoops to get there. And in the process, I imagine, it creates some confusion. It absolutely creates confusion. If people see something that looks like legal language up on a federal website, they're going to think that that's the law. Even lawyers have cited to that as binding federal law. And so people get very confused about it. And that confusion should not be a legitimate basis for circumventing the procedures that are necessary to enact laws in America. We all remember Schoolhouse Rock and how a bill becomes a law. That's right. You know, there, there are steps that should be taken. And for our system to have legitimacy uh, as a democratic system, 
we need to ensure that the law comes through those processes. And that process is an onerous process. There are a lot of checks and balances. One of the things that states do in our federal system is make sure that the federal government stays within the lines, that it doesn't overreach, that it goes through the appropriate processes to make law, and that the substance of that law does not encroach on the areas that are appropriately the subject of state legal concerns. Certainly an area where this office spends a lot of time. Jonathan Scrimetti, thank you so much for explaining that. And if you're interested in more information about this federal guidance and the letter issued by the Tennessee Attorney General's Office and 20 other states, just go to our website, tn.gov slash attorney general slash news. 